You're listening to Comedy Central. December 11, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Oh, so good to be here with you. I can speak just for this period, so I'm enjoying it. Welcome to the show. Our guest tonight, rapper Meek Mill is here, everybody. <laughs> really exciting to have him. Uh, we're going to be talking about criminal justice reform and maybe even some music. We'll see. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. The Supreme Court is working through its term, deciding which cases they're going to hear. And yesterday, they dropped a bombshell. Planned Parenthood is applauding a decision by the Supreme Court not to hear an appeal in a case involving Medicaid funding. The decision leaves in place a lower court ruling that blocks Louisiana and Kansas from banning Planned Parenthood and other abortion providers from Medicaid programs. The decision reflects a split among conservatives on the bench, Chief Justice John Roberts and New Justice Brett Kavanaugh, siding with the liberals in the decision. Wow. This is a major, major news announcement, right? The Supreme Court refused to hear a case attempting to defund Planned Parenthood, which is great news for women's health and very weird news for Brett Kavanaugh fans. <laughs> because he was one of the justices who voted not to hear this case. So if you're a pro-choice person, you should be buying Brett Kavanaugh a gift right now. And Justice Kavanaugh, I don't, I don't know, what, what would you like? I still like beer. <laughs> My man. Moving on, school lunches are an important part of America's school system, right? They keep kids fed and they keep lunch ladies off the streets because if Mrs. Craggle wasn't busy making tater tots, she'd be out stealing your car stereo, people. But now, thanks to President Trump, there are changes coming to the menu. There's a shakeup coming to the cafeteria. While kids might be excited about it, some parents are not too happy. The Trump administration is scaling back on school lunch standards put in place during the Obama era. The U.S. school lunch program will now include food made mostly of refined grains. The Obama administration only allowed whole grains to be served. Low-fat chocolate milk will also be allowed again. And the Trump administration's new sodium rules are more lenient than before. What the He's making the food unhealthier. Like, President Trump is taking away school's healthy lunch requirement. Why would you do this? I guess because maybe he wants kids to grow up to be just like him. What is he doing? <laughs> like, next, Melania's gonna change her initiative to be obese. Is that what it's gonna be? <laughs> Any child eat the vegetable in front of me. I slap the shit out of them. <laughs> Moving on to international news, the British Parliament this week has been working on a vote for their upcoming Brexit deal. And it has been a complete shit show, or as the British call it, a parade of poo. <laughs> and yesterday, one MP snapped. A liberal member of the House of Commons did this. He took matters into his own hands by attempting to remove the mace from the chamber. Now, the mace is basically a gold crown on a five-foot gold stick. It represents the authority of the Queen in Parliament. And without the mace in the room, they can't meet or pass laws. Oh, dear, put it back. Hello. 
Okay. First of all, they can still make the laws. It's just a stick. And secondly, that was the most British heist I've ever seen in my life. He's like, pardon me, I'll be stealing this now. Pardon me, pardon me. And the other guy's like, actually, sir, please refrain from that. You're right, there you are. Good day, good day. And I also like that the Queen got so sick of showing up in Parliament meetings, she was just like, you know what, from now on, this stick is in charge. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm gonna spend some tax money on my 14th corgi. So, best of luck uh, to the British Parliament as they navigate Brexit. Although, I don't know how you're gonna figure out the most complicated breakup of all time if you can't even figure out how to meet without a golden stick in the room. All right, let's move on to our top story. It's Christmas time, and President Trump already knows what he wants from Santa. A big, shiny border wall. Although, let's be honest, Santa is not gonna give it to him because if there's one person who's on the naughty list, it's Trump. Yeah, Santa's like, oh, you've been a naughty boy this year, Donald. You put children in cages. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been so naughty. I've been a bad boy. (laughs) Are you making this sexual? What is wrong with you? Spank me, Santa. Spank me with the naughty list. Ho, 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 hold up, hold up. But because Trump's not gonna get his wall from Santa, he only has one other option. Negotiate with the Democrats. President Trump clashing with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer over border security during an explosive sit-down. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, together with the president, clashed big time over border wall funding. With a December 21st deadline to avoid a government shutdown, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking and you send in Donald Trump? Why would you send Donald Trump in to defuse a bomb? He's gonna make it worse. He'd be like, there are 270 seconds left on the countdown. Just like the 270 votes I got, in my tremendous electoral car. Did I tell you about the time when it happened? Don't worry about this. Let me tell you about the time. They said I couldn't do it, folks. But yes, Trump is demanding $5 billion for a border wall. And as you can imagine, Democrats would rather release Obama's original Kenyan birth certificate than give Trump that wall money, which is why this meeting turned into an absolute mess. You want to shut it down. I, you no, keep no, talking no, no, about no. it. The last time, Chuck, you shut it down. No, no, no. And then you opened 20 it up times. very quickly. And 20 times. I don't want to do what you did. You have the vote. You should pass no, it. No, we don't have now. the vote, Nancy, because in the Senate, we need 60 no, votes. No, no, but in the House. And we don't you have could it. bring it up right now. Yeah, but I day. can't... Excuse me. Not threaten to shut down the government because you... Let me just finish. Because you can't get your way. If we have border security, if we don't have border security, Chuck, we're not going to keep it up. You just said it is effective. Can I be, can I tell you something? Yeah, you just said Without it's Without a wall. House Democrats who just won a big victory. Elections but have me, consequences, me, Mr. Yeah, President. Let me just say. That's right. And that's why the country is doing so well. You can do border security without a wall, which is wasteful and doesn't solve the problem. It, it totally solves but the problem. And we've gained in the Senate. A, Nancy, morale, we've gained in the Senate. Excuse me, now, did we win the Senate? We won the Senate. When the president brags that he won North Dakota and Indiana, he's in real trouble. Okay. Why does Chuck Schumer keep talking to the camera? (laughs) They're having an argument, and he's like a character in an episode of The Office. He's like, now the president is doing this right now. But honestly, watching these three go at it for 20 minutes, it felt like being in the, in the TV room of a nursing home, which is old people fighting. It's my turn with the remote. You had the remote yesterday. I don't like Rachel Ray. She's too ethnic. Give me that remote. <laughs> and my favorite part of this awkward threesome was <laughs> Mike Pence. <laughs> because 
You might not have even noticed him. Because he didn't say a word the entire time. He just sat there motionless, like a guy whose edibles just kicked in. It was just like... I mean, like, you, you gotta wonder what he was thinking about while everyone was arguing. He was probably just daydreaming about, I don't know, whatever it is that Mike Pence daydreams about. We're gonna keep it open if we have border security. If we don't have border security... Yeah, that seems about right. Seems about right. Anyway, this, this meeting went on for a while, and by the end, they hadn't come any closer to an agreement. And the reason there was so much bickering wasn't just the wall, right? It's that if they don't agree on a government funding bill, it could lead to a partial government shutdown, right? Which would mean things like the FDA, uh, the, the FDA would stop inspecting food plants, right? The SEC would halt new investigations and hundreds of thousands of government workers wouldn't get paid. Like everything from the FBI agents all the way to the TSA. Yeah, and if the TSA doesn't get paid, that might put them in a bad mood. Yeah, that's right. You've been seeing them in a good mood. <laughs> Whenever you're at the airport, that's them in like a really, like if they're in a bad mood, they're gonna be like, hey, do you have a gun on you? And you'd be like, no, and they'll be like, here, take this one. <laughs> so needless to say, no politician wants to take the blame for a government shutdown. But Donald Trump is not a politician. Donald Trump is a moron. We do not want to shut down the government. We want to come to an agreement. We're coming in in good faith to negotiate with you about how we can keep the government open. We disagree. I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck, because the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not gonna blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. I don't know if you realize how monumental this moment is. Donald Trump just agreed to take blame for something. <laughs> this is the same guy who keeps Mike Pence around just to blame farts on. You realize that, right? <laughs> Trump is running around eating hard-boiled eggs like, ew, gross, Mike, you have a problem. <laughs> Yes, sir, I'm disgusting. So today, today I'm proud of President Trump because taking blame shows some personal growth on his part. Although if we're being honest, he probably just thinks that if the government shuts down, there'll be nobody there to impeach him, which is the second thing he asked Santa for. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. Some news stories help us understand the world we live in. And some news stories are just stupid. For those, we turn to Ronnie Chang. Thanks, Trevor. The most popular video game right now is Fortnite. And why not? It's got everything people love. Hanging out with your friends, killing your friends, and dancing over your friends' dead bodies. But just like every other thing that's popular, people have started to blame it for all their problems. The popular video game Fortnite now has more than 200 million registered players worldwide. Problem is, experts say it's incredibly addicting. Behavioral health experts have seen an increase in young adults seeking treatment for their addiction to video games. In fact, earlier this year, the World Health Organization recognized gaming disorder as a diagnosable condition. A British behavioral specialist says Fortnite addiction is like heroin. Okay, Fortnite is not like drugs, okay? There's no rock star who died from video games. Elvis wasn't passed out on the toilet with his veins full of Pac-Man, right? <laughs> 
No other form of entertainment gets the bad rap that video games do. I mean, why does 20 straight hours of Fortnite mean you're addicted, but binging Marvelous Miss Maisel means you're sophisticated? Oh. <laughs> and so what if I sometimes miss work because I was up all night playing Fortnite? I just tell my idiot boss I lost my voice, like he does all the time. <laughs> all the time. You have one job. But fine, these so-called specialists say it's an addiction. And now the innocent kids are paying the price. Some parents are so worried their kids are spending so much time playing the popular game, they're taking a drastic step and sending their kids to video game rehab. Well, this year, the drug of choice, as we call it, is Fortnite. Michael Jacobus runs Reset Summer Camp, a four-week program that focuses on teen tech addiction. When kids are at your camp, is it like a detox? Yes, absolutely. With no devices for a whole month, the camp focuses on therapy and teaching life skills like cooking and laundry. Okay, <laughs> cooking and laundry is not rehab. It, it's what makes you want to play video games in the first place. Okay, no kid has ever been like, hey, washing my filthy clothes is so much fun. I'll never play video games again. If I wanted to cook and do laundry, I'd play The Sims, all right? And the blame keeps going because according to some Fortnite, isn't just damaging kids, it's ruining marriages. An online UK divorce service says 200 divorce petitions cited Fortnite this year. That was the reason for the split. Put the controller down. Fortnite. Don't blame Fortnite for your shitty marriage, okay? You made your wife sit and watch you play Fortnite day after day until one day you look over and she's gone. Well, guess where she is now, buddy? She's at my house watching me play Fortnite. <laughs> Guys, Fortnite is harmless fun. In fact, the only place I draw a line is using it to train real killers. You can serve your country and play Fortnite? Well, the Stars and the Stripes newspaper says yes, the Army is forming a team of pro gamers to compete in tournaments as a recruitment tool. The plan is actually to have recruiters playing those games in their uniforms at tournaments to provoke questions about their jobs from the players. The only way the Army should use Fortnite is to drop it on ISIS. Then they'll stop playing it 20 hours a day and we'll have won the war on terror. And that's when we really get to dance. Ronnie Chang, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is a multi-platinum award-winning rapper and criminal justice reform advocate whose new album, Championships, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. Please welcome Meek Mill. Oh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yo, man, it has been quite a journey. Yeah. I've, like, I mean, for everybody who's been watching <laughs> your, your, your life, just in what feels like uh, the period of a year, You've gone from someone who was in prison looking at spending multiple years behind bars yeah. to being number one on the Billboard charts and being free again. Yeah. Thank God. Are there mornings where you wake up still fearing the idea of going back to jail? Yeah, I wake up every day fearing going back to jail. I'm on bail. Uh, I don't know if anybody know what that means. If, uh... The Supreme Court overturned my sentence and uh, gave me a bell and right. gave me a chance to actually refight the case. I'm originally on probation. I was put on probation for a case at uh, the age of 18, falsely accused. And you know where I come from, like the value of getting arrested was just like, the way we valued ourselves, it was just like a normal thing. If a cop blamed someone, you took a deal or you went to court and 
you lost a case that for something you didn't do. And as I got older, I got around like more powerful people and, and met people around the world where people valued themselves more. And uh, one day I always used to ask my friend, like, yo, you think I pointed a gun at three or four cops? He white. So I was like, you think I pointed a gun at four or five cops and got away with it without a single shot being fired? And he always used to say no, but I didn't think he understood what I was really saying to right. him. So, you know, I used to say it all the time. And when I actually got sentenced to the two to four years, uh, it stemmed back from what I actually was found guilty for, a crime that I did not commit. I don't know if anybody uh, watched like social media, what happens to young black men when you even flash a gun. You don't even have to point a gun at a police officer in America right now. And, you know, sometimes them situations turn out tragic. And, you know, uh, as, as life went on uh, in my cell, you know, I, I just told my friends, like, yo, let's go look at the, this case from the beginning. Let's right. go check into it. And we had investigators check into this case top to bottom. Most of the people that even arrested me, testified on me, were found guilty for lying uh, of a criminal activity. And actually, uh, a bunch of people got let out due to the, the investigation, investigating these police officers. It's interesting that your, your case and your story became, in many ways, what opened up a Pandora's box. People talk about how America's criminal justice system is broken. Yeah. But now it had a face. Meek Mill, here he was, he was successful, he was selling albums, he, you know, he was, he was rich, he was doing well, but... Yeah. Even he became a victim to the system. Do, do you think that now, without wanting it, you, you've now taken on that mantle of being an advocate for criminal justice reform? Yeah, I kind of think it was placed on my lap. It, it was it, the basis of it. Like, people used to say, like, uh, it's not about him. No, it's not about me. It's actually about, uh, I got found guilty at 18 for a crime I didn't do. I'm 31 years old. I've never been back to prison for a crime ever again in my life. And I was sentenced to a two to four year sentence at 31 years old when I'm uh, at a successful stage in my life. So right. you got to imagine people who grew up in bad environments who get put on probation probably for petty things and long-term probations. Right. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people don't realize that the probation, it basically re-ups every single time. So yeah. you, you're basically in this world where it's like, this is your probation, but then something small can happen. You can have an altercation with the cops where you didn't do something wrong, but the cops, yeah. and now you go, now it's more and more and more. And you, you're basically permanently at, at, at risk of going back to prison. And in this album, I think what, what's really powerful is, I mean, you, you've always made music about your life. Yeah. But championships is honestly one of the most gripping albums I've ever listened to because you talk about you. what it's like to be behind bars and it's not funny, it's not cool. No. It's, it's scary, man. You, yeah. you talk about hearing the screams of people being raped in prison. Yeah. You talk about, you know, how prisoners are being treated behind bars by the guards. And in many ways, you remind people that there are humans on the other side of the bars. We, we always say criminals, yeah. but, but there are humans suffering through this. Like, does that stick with you when you leave? Uh, yeah, it was just a big deal when I, uh, I got sentenced to a state sentence. And, you know, uh, a lot of them kids in there were sentenced to state sentence. They took deals because they didn't have lawyer money. Like, you right. know, uh, they got a thing, a system called public defenders. If you can't afford a private attorney, uh, the state will assist you with a, a public defender. A public defender would go over this case uh, over your case probably in four or five minutes and, you know, take you in the courtroom. Right, that'd be right, your right. life. So most of the times, uh, these kids are charged with 10, 20 charges where they're facing 45 years, 30 years for things that they most likely didn't even do. Uh, 
they end up taking deals for four or five years or three years with a bunch of parole probation and they'll forever be scarred. You won't be able to get a job. You won't be able to attend certain schools. Even me, myself, I try to move in certain areas just to have an uh, embarrassing record of a uh, cop saying I pointed a gun at a, a, a two police officers. Uh, certain areas I couldn't move in. One time my bank account was closed because I had felonies on my record and I'm moving so forward in my life. It just made me want to stand up and speak for people who uh, are caught up in the system and maybe trying to move forward in their lives. And when you, this, like a lot of people, some people, uh, I heard people say like, he's not the face, he shouldn't be the face. I'm like, why? I don't want to be the face. I just want to help out and help bring change to the world. Uh, Which is amazing. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I like to rap. I like to take care of my family. <laughs> right. Uh, can, I, can, I ask, can I ask you a question? I mean, Meek Mill, for a lot of people, you know, popped into their lives because of a beef with Drake. Yeah. Right? It was a huge beef with Drake, and there was back-to-back, and this was all going on. Yeah. And then Meek Mill gets arrested, you go to prison, you come out, and then you squash the beef with Drake, and you guys genuinely work through it, not even like a PR thing. You work through it as human yeah. beings. What, did, when when you go to prison, does it feel like a rap beef is just a waste of time? Uh, yeah, basically. Prison is... A, <laughs> I play ping pong, I play chess, uh... <laughs> read some books. Right. Yeah, it was nothing that I could really benefit from. I already had my path uh, where I was headed to. You know, I, I employ people, I'm employed myself. I do a lot of charity, so, right. you know... I wasn't really getting into too many of the, the uh, programs they had going on. So, you know, I worked on my ping pong, learned <laughs> how to play chess. Uh, chess taught me patience. Uh, no, yeah, it was a waste of time, I feel like, definitely. When you, uh, when, you, when you came out, you immediately went into this world of advocating for the people who spoke to you. People wrote you letters. Yeah. Uh, you know, fans who said to you, hey, you, you've inspired me, not from prison, but just in life. Yeah. You've inspired me to get over obstacles. And now you're fighting for America to change its ways. What would you like to see changed in America's prison system? Uh, uh, probation and parole should have uh, standards to it. Uh, me, I've been on probation from 18 years old. I'm 31 years old. I haven't been to jail since. If I decided to cross the bridge to go to New Jersey without calling my probation officer with forgetting, I could actually go to prison. Or if I got pulled over or I got a traffic ticket, police contact is a violation. If I come in contact with the police and the judge decides that she don't like the contact that I came in with police, it doesn't have to involve a crime. It doesn't have to... You could be innocent. Like, I, I got sentenced to two to four years for popping a willy. I got arrested in uh, New York for popping a willy, which actually, they charged me with an F1 felony. When I went to court, the case was thrown out. I didn't even get a traffic for ticket for popping a willy. Right. Uh, I still was sent to jail for that, you know what I'm saying? And just police contact on probation is uh, really uh, jail time, basically. And for people that look like me and, and come from the environments I come from, police contact happens on a daily basis. Uh, me, I've probably been searched by police 5,000 times in my life, you right. know what I'm saying? And not speaking saying all cops are bad, but I just think that's a bad dynamic to put people like me in. Uh, bail reform at one point, I was locked up with a guy, his bail was $100. He spent 28 months in prison. And because that was- Because he couldn't pay $100. Because he couldn't pay $100. And that was taxpayer money. Like, we had to pay for this guy to be in jail for 28 months because he lowered it two times in his life. Uh, he had a drug addiction. I don't think that was really the proper thing. Um, me being in prison and 
I know a lot of people hear about prison and thinking like it's, it's like the movies. No, it's really like a mental institution. Uh, a lot of people are uh, addicts and went to prison for probation violations because they was addicted to opioids, marijuana, cocaine. Right. And they're put in prisons. Uh, I think that them type of things should be handled accordingly. I think people that have addiction should go to rehab. You shouldn't go to a prison. People... Uh, I don't think, like, I don't think people really realize how deep it is. Like, I used to read comments on when I came home on the internet, he broke probation, go to jail. I'm like, yo, I willied the bike. I willied the motorcycle. I don't know if any of y'all got kids that have dirt bikes. I'm in love with dirt bikes. That's what I like to do. I willied the dirt bike. I went from willing a dirt bike to being locked in a cell 23 hours a day with shackles on my ankle, on my wrist, not able to be able to contact my family and going through traumatizing things. And I'm just like, yo, I'm not a threat to society, and nobody that is a threat to society should be placed in these type of conditions because everybody don't make it back from that. Like I'm telling you, you hear men scream, he probably won't never recover from what happened to him in that prison. He probably was locked up for the smallest thing in the world. And it's, it's like, in America, we make it like it's just a normal thing. Some people belong to be in jail. We have dangerous people and people who cause harm and don't offer nothing to society. And you also have the 30%, 40% who are here for technical violations right. and violations and not committing crime and people who took plea deals because they couldn't afford lawyers and things like that. So, you know, there's so many layers to it. Me, I'm here and on shows like this to really deliver my experience of what I went through, you know what I'm saying? Because Americans can view me as a, a normal person. They know I have a job. They know I'm not committing crime. And I'm delivering my message just to the world so we can start on a path of change. Can, can I tell you, that's something I found interesting, is you have an album out. Yeah. And I've watched you go on multiple shows, and you don't seem to need to speak about the album. You don't, you don't push it. You don't... Yeah. I mean... And, and it's an amazing album. It's at number one. Yeah, I feel one. like I'm hot. I think I'm hot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's amazing to see. It's amazing to see because, I mean, many people would say, hey, I mean, there's this little criminal justice thing, but at the same time, I've got to make my money. But you, you're out there, and this, it's re- it really is something that's close to your heart. And I, honestly, I admire that about you as a human being because it's, it's bigger than money. It's bigger than anything else that you're doing. Yeah. But at the same time, people are still buying the music and yeah, they're buying the album. Yeah, I think the they're going to get around to that, you know? Uh... It's, uh, it's almost nerve-wracking coming on a TV show trying to explain your innocence, trying to speak up for voiceless people. I have so many people that I was locked up with that are dedicated to me speaking out or trying to even get a voice for people right. to hear their cries of that situation. So you always know you do a TV interview, it might be 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, sometimes even 2, 3 minutes. It's nerve it's nerve-wracking to even try to think about what I have to say and, and to compensate the people who don't have a voice or even promote my album. So, you know, I just try to freestyle it. And most of the time, we end up talking about justice reform. So, you know, but we'll I, take I, it. I also, also want to talk about the album, though. I want to talk about the music. I want, yeah. to talk about, I want to talk about the state of mind Meek Mill gets into when he gets back in the studio. Where do you find your joy? You know, you, you, come, you come from this place where your freedom is taken away from you, something that... The, the one thing that human beings need more than anything, their freedom, it's taken away from you. You are reminded of how thin that thread is. Yeah. But you still have to find your joy because the album is, is, is not, it's not only painful. There's, there's, yeah. there's bangers, as you say. Yeah. People are dancing, you know? It's, they're still fun. How do you, how, where do you find that joy? 
I never wrote a song in prison. I was so depressed and stressed out. <laughs> I couldn't find the time to actually sit down and make a rap. But I always wanted to explain this like on, on platforms like this. Uh, a lot of people hear rap music, and sometimes you hear people talk about violence, drugs, and things like right. that. We actually grew up in these environments our whole lives. I'm uh, 31 years old, from the age of one years old to 22 years old, maybe, until I got a record deal. I grew up in a ruthless environment. A lot of people, some people grew up in love. Some people grew up in hate. Uh, I grew up in, like, the hate survival area where right. we've seen a lot of bad. So now... Uh, I still know people, I have family members who live in that, and, you know, we speak on them things. It's like a social forecaster. And I just wanted to deliver my message in a way where all America can view and and see what we go through uh, coming from where I come from. And uh, I think I'm a good representative because I changed my life around, even growing up in hate and survival mode. And I speak on a lot of things. Like, I talk about uh, the opioid addiction in my city where, like, most young guys... Uh, do Percocets, and I, I talk about uh, guys getting caught up and being influenced by other guys and going to jail and losing that freedom by making bad decisions. And I also talk about uh, the fun side of my life, actually having money, making money, and right. living, because sometimes that inspires people, too. Coming from where I come from, we never right, had right. You gotta remember. anything. The first person I seen was Alan Iverson. He's the first African-American I seen like with a real nice car, and where I was at, nobody really had nothing, and that inspired me to be bigger in life. So, you know, if you see me on Instagram or something, I'm flaunting a little bit. Don't take it personal. I'm just trying to inspire. Oh, man. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the All show. Right. Thank you for having me. I, I like appreciate show everything too, that you man. do, man. Thank you so much. Championships is available now. It is fire. Meek Mill, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.